I'm so excited. Okay, my first question is... Oh, wow. Oof. Ooh, that's, a, that's something to start out with. Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it depends on who's I like looking at I think I look queer. Yes. I think I I'm look trans. like the queerest that <laughs> I've ever looked. I think that now that I have short blue hair. For the most part, yes. Queers. I think like my haircut is definitely I like depends to on hope the day. that I give off the gay vibe. <laughs> Today, I think um, I do. The queer vibe. What is looking queer, though? You're listening to Looking, Feeling, Queering, a podcast about what it feels like to look or not look queer. Rabbi Nikki and I talk about Ani DeFranco, the freshman year vampire red manic panic incident, moving past the rainbow phase, and the infamous black and white Doc Martin wingtips. Do you think that you look queer, first of all? Today, I think I do, mm-hmm. because I'm wearing a rainbow. Yeah. Tell me about your like outfit or your your rainbow where is it i'm wearing a rainbow kippa or yarmulke Mm -hmm. on my head it's pretty i think it's pretty visible i was kind of thinking about that today whether it was visible because i'm attending this queer event tonight Mm -hmm. and it seemed like i should because i'm attending as a staff member and i think the award is about like advocacy for Mm -hmm. like queer advocacy so it doesn't imply that I'm a member of the queer community but I was thinking this morning that I really wanted to self-identify as a member of the queer community and I'm not speaking so I was like okay I'll wear my rainbow keeper now can you see it from the front or not it was like you know kind of figuring out the placement um and and it's kind of the only thing that I have right now in my wardrobe that makes me feel like you can tell Mm -hmm. where'd you get it a student made it for me my first year here um she was uh, the vice president or the secretary of Keshet, the queer Jewish club. Mm-hmm. And she crocheted them as a fundraiser for um, an LGBTQ youth center in the city that had been damaged in Hurricane Sandy. And she asked for $10 donations for each, um, mm-hmm. for each kippah. And she, um, she crocheted them and sold them to, to ev- like pretty much everyone she knows. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love it. That's yeah, fun. it was awesome. Um, have you ever been told whether implicitly or explicitly by someone that you look queer? Um, when I was in high school and I was coming out, I changed the way I dress and I wore a lot of like men's clothing. I'm putting mm-hmm. quotes around that that you can't <laughs> see on a recording. Um, and my mom got real nervous and like clearly she's going to ask a lot of questions. Also, I used to get called a dyke like all the time freshman year in high school Mm -hmm. and I didn't I used to say things like oh just because I'm a feminist doesn't mean I'm a lesbian and then senior I was like lol also lesbian (laughs) thanks for telling me in a horrible way freshman year Um, (laughs) but I did used to wear ties to school Mm -hmm. so I went to a catholic school everyone had to wear a uniform and girls were not allowed to wear pants you had to wear skirts and there were three sort of styles and choices they were all wool, they were all itchy, they were all like hideous looking. Mm-hmm. And you they were hot in the summer and itchy and uncomfortable. They were cold in the winter. And I was just like, I don't understand why we can't just wear pants, especially in the winter time. And that you had to buy them at this uniform store. And and you could just wear a button-down... You had to wear a button-down Oxford-style shirt with a buttoned-down collar. Mm-hmm. And the boys did too, so like that was equal. And then the boys had to wear a tie and they had to wear... Um, they had to wear pants, but they could wear any, they could wear like, um, like sort of docker style pants in like seven or eight different colors. Mm-hmm. So, 
And they could buy them at any store they wanted. We had to buy one of these three skirts from this particular uniform company, and they were really expensive. And yeah. so, like, you had to wear the same one every day, or like, or your, if your parents couldn't afford it. And I thought that was really annoying. This is sort of like off the topic right. of lesbian dress, but whatever. Um, I was really annoyed, and I was I was angry about it, and I complained like we should have more choice because it's economically not fair, and also like boys are always looking up the girls' skirts when you're walking up the stairs, so people would wear, like, bike shorts mm-hmm. um, underneath. It was just so stupid. And the boys were like, well, we have to wear ties, so it's, like, equally burdensome <laughs> because ties are so uncomfortable and right. I feel like I'm choking. So I would wear a tie every day just to be like, it's actually not a burden to wear a tie. <laughs> and my dad used to help me pick out different ties. Um, he would let me borrow some from his. He taught me how to tie a tie. It was, like, a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that contributed to, like, the perception of me as a quote-unquote dyke, but, like, I assume that my politics were more the right. thing um, than my appearance. And I always had, like, super long hair. I think, like, that's sort of a stereotype that, like, queer women don't have, like, long hairstyles, and I would never let anyone cut it. And, like, that was not a gender decision. I just, like, yeah. liked my hair. Yeah. I don't get picked out on the street as a lesbian unless I'm with like my partner and we're holding hands yeah for sure um do you ever feel that there are spaces where you either look too queer or not queer enough like maybe with job things or at like queer events you kind of mentioned that yeah i mean i i want to like i think like it's like the eternal femme dilemma Mm -hmm. of like and i wrote this i remember have you read well of loneliness yeah (laughs) i'll 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 try to write that have you read well of loneliness (laughs) no so like I mean, if you want to cry forever, you should read cool. The Well of Loneliness. I would love to. Um, it's, this, it's like a novel. Um, it's an old novel about um, queer identity, except like it was at a time when the word that was applied was invert. And so this main mm-hmm. character's name is Stephen. And when she's born, like whether you would call this character a lesbian or like a trans man now is, is totally, it's, it's almost a moot question because like these were not terms that right. existed. But the point is that Stephen is a quote unquote invert, meaning like, She's born female. Her parents give her a male name because they wanted to have a son. Um, she does sort of stereotypically masculine things in a very, like, structured sort of British society. And she's, mm-hmm. like, does, like, the boy activities, quote-unquote. Yeah. And um, she ends up with a woman named Mary. And Mary... I wrote a whole paper about, like, the erasure <laughs> of Mary Llewellyn's, like, femme lesbian identity. Because, like, they have this sexual relationship. But Stephen is sort of, like, tortured and has all this sort of health, self-hatred of her body. And it's unclear if it's, like that she's or that he is like a trans man like looking right. at this feminine body or if like she is just like conflicted or heterosexual who knows right yeah. um but there's these all these scenes of like um of Stephen looking in the mirror which like they totally play with it with the character of um the trans man character on um, the l word mm-hmm. has a scene where like he looks at himself in the mirror it's like very similar to that mm-hmm. and um mary gets like totally like, she, her identity doesn't matter. It's like she's a prop for Steven's identity. Right. Steven only knows that she's, like, an invert because she has a desire for this woman. And, of course, Mary ends up married to or engaged to a man at the end. And, like, right. unclear <laughs> if it's because she wanted to be or if because, like, Steven was so horrible to her, whatever. So I wrote a whole, like, manifesto on this because, <laughs> like, I do think there's still a perception... Um, even if it's, like, just self-internalized mm-hmm. and it never gets actualized in the world, nobody ever, like, does that thing that they do in Go Fish where they're, like, you're not a real lesbian and, like, all the women are in the alleyway, like, shouting at the person. Like, there's, like, this feeling that you're supposed to, yeah. um, you're supposed to look a certain way and that gender and sexual orientation somehow have something to do with yep. each other. Um, so I definitely like, you know, if I go to like, and this is, this was more like of a thing in college when I was super concerned about being very visible Mm -hmm. on campus. I'm concerned about being visible 
um, in like the sense of self-disclosing so that students know that I self-identify as queer because I think it's important to yeah. have people have a, like, I guess, a role model or like, a, a, like oh, I, my, I could have a life right. like that. There's one more possibility of like how I could be Sorry, Jewish yeah. and be queer and like have, do whatever. Um, so yeah, it's been like lately more about that. And then the thing about looking too queer, I've been told that I dress too, like I wear it like right now I'm wearing pink tights, a pink shirt, a pink sweater rather, and like a black dress with like, I don't know what color this is, polka dots all over it, sort of pinky peachy, um, very loud colors. I remember like I had, um, when I was going to job interviews in rabbinical school, they were like, you have to wear a black suit with a skirt. And I was just like, oh. And I don't think that was about them saying, like, you don't want to look queer. It was more like they're saying, like, you just want to look generally conservative. You want to look like you fit in. And I never... um, I made a lot of interesting sartorial choices. Like, in college, I used to wear a boa, a feather boa, like, just to (laughs) class, or tiara, like, just to class. Yeah. Like, just just to a lecture. (laughs) Just, you know. It wasn't Halloween. Or as my mom said, a a gay dance. Like, just... She was like... She bought me the tiara for my 20th birthday, I think it was. <laughs> and she was like, this is only to wear to, like, the BGLTSA dances. Like, that's what... And I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear it all, like, fully all the time. So, yeah. Amazing. Looking different. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about hair. Yeah. Um, we that's talked so kind funny. of a little bit about it, but, like, hair length, hair dye, mm-hmm. and, like, body hair oh, feelings. Oh, yeah. Feelings about all those things. Um, <laughs> so I have never been a, like, I tried, I think, once in college, like, not shave my legs. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, not that person. Like, just, or, like, I remember when I first came out to my mom, the first, like, the first thing she said to me was, don't shave your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was like, I have a question. I was like, you don't want to go there. She said, oh, I'm going there. I said, I'm gay. She said, don't shave your head. Yeah. It was the era of Ani DeFranco's mm-hmm. shaved head. Not a pretty girl had just come out. Um, actually my senior year, right after my senior year of high school, my dad took me to the Newport Folk Festival mm-hmm. for the first time because I had heard that the Indigo Girls were playing there and clearly I loved them. <laughs> and my dad was like, oh, I heard Joan Baez is playing. And like, it's like my favorite folk yeah. band and his favorite folk singer, like at this, on the same stage. So we went and Ani DeFranco was playing and I, I had heard about her, but I'd never heard her music. She started singing Not a Pretty Girl. My dad took his binoculars and looked at her and she was like, was wearing like tights and like Doc Martens and like sort of a little dress and like um and the shaved head and the whole deal and she said she was singing not a pretty girl and he was like oh you're right you're not and I was like dad like dad. what is wrong with you <laughs> meanwhile I was like obsessed with her and thought she was amazing looking uh, but I never wanted to like dress yeah. like her or look like her and I never wanted to shave my head and that also was like what if my head looks weird like what yeah. like I just was worried about it but when I was in high school like I said I used to have long long hair and I never wanted anyone to cut it I think because when I was little, my mom gave me, like, super dorky haircuts. So I was just like, no. And I remember, like, wanting to be what the other girls thought was pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because I wanted them to, like, desire me, because I just wanted them to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, super nerdy. Um, I was always, like, the brainy one. And so, like, it's not easy to be, like, popular or liked by other girls when there's, like, jealousy about that. Um, But somehow, like, girl, other girls thinking you were pretty was, like, the right kind of jealous that you could be friends with I don't know I seemed it seemed like I was gonna like get popular if I had long hair and wore tight leggings and a big shirt and like probably a blossom hat so that was my thing from like eighth grade through sophomore year and then right before my senior year when I was like finally basically right after I got into Harvard which was like April I was like I'm out of this place and at my high school if you had a certain GPA um in a in a 
I mean, if you had a certain grade in a class, like moving into finals, you didn't even have to take finals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I literally went to class and all of my classes were just reviewing for finals. So I was like reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy and like <clears throat> the mists of Avalon. Like I was just like, I don't, I just did not pay yeah. attention anymore except in creative writing class. And I was just like, I'm free of this place. And I just decided to like go get my haircut. And my mom had been bugging me saying like, you need a grown up haircut. Like you're going to college or you need like to stop just being like trim my hair half an inch, like just cut off the split ends. Oh my yeah. God, don't touch it. And like, let it hang and like barely sure. do anything with yeah. it. Like learn how to like style your hair. And so I went to my mom's hairdresser who was like really dorky. And I had her give me like a super asymmetrical haircut, like like all the way short above my ears on one side, shaved down in, mm-hmm. in the back, but like in a little spiral to like just at the chin length on the other yeah. side, right? Very cool. <laughs> 1995-ish good times. <laughs> and um, and I, and everyone in my school was like, oh, like she's a lesbian now. And I was like sort of had come out that mm-hmm. summer to some people. But it was like my mom was angry and worried because she was like it's sort of a cute haircut but she was already like what does it mean because she was just like you need to show that you're more of an adult Mm -hmm. and somehow being more of an adult woman means like having a style to your hair and not just letting it be long right and I definitely did it not because I thought it was going to look more like a lesbian but because I was like Basically, I was, like, a big F you to my whole school. I was like, I don't want to look like any of you. I don't want to be like any of you. Like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. I'm going to, like, basically have, like, an alien haircut. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Bye. That's definitely it. Um, Yeah. I still dress like a complete dork, though. And, like, look cool. Um, Did you ever dye your hair? Oh, yeah. Like, not hair colors. Oh, yes. Yes. Obviously, yeah. Um, So my freshman... Is it freshman year? Oh, freshman year of college. Like, the joy and bliss <laughs> of that time, the time in my life. College was great. Um, yeah, I was, like, suit. Like, I got to college and was, like, rainbow necklace, like, all the time. Hothead Paisan, Homicidal Lesbian Terrorist, which was, like, a comic book. I had a t-shirt of her. And I it was actually my exam shirt. I wore it to every test that I had to sit for in college. I always did well because of because of Hothead Paisan. Yeah, of like, course. she was Italian. My family was Italian. Like, yeah. I just, like, really... Um, and she was actually not actually, um, like all of her like hot headedness was just like her sort of ranting and verbal. Like she didn't actually like do anything in the world. It was great. Um, she, she was all in her head, like a, like a, like a true lesbian should be like just constantly processing things. Um, but I dyed my hair that year. My friend Rhiannon from high school came to visit me in school and she was like, we're going to go to Harvard square and we're going to get some manic panic and we're going to dye your hair. And I was like, vampire red obviously is the choice. So she and I go in the bathroom. (laughs) I lived in like a dorm that had been apartments and, Mm -hmm. um, but then they converted it. So like there were no kitchens or anything. We had a common room and a bedroom. And then there was like a hall bathroom with like two little shower stalls and like, you know, toilet stalls and everything. And the the shower stalls had just curtains on them. And we went into the bathroom and like, I'm like trying somehow to like prop up a chair to like lay over the sink for Rhiannon to like do the Mm. dye. And when we think it's ready, I go to rinse it out in the shower and I flip my hair over (laughs) and just like, just manic panic on the shower curtain, like everywhere, everywhere. And I then went to the RAs and we're like, so it looks like someone murdered someone in the bathroom, but it's totally not blood. Cause it really looked like, like psycho. Like it was just terrible. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I had like bright, bright red hair and I didn't tell my parents I was going to do it. My parents were, my mom was always like frosting her hair and I used to help her like pull Mm -hmm. her little hair through the like weird cap (laughs) and like poke her with a little pokey thing. And my younger sister, my older sister always dyed her hair blonde like her whole, since she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And 
my younger sister, I mean, my, yeah, my older sister dyed her hair blonde all the time and like her eyebrows and everything. And my younger sister in high school started dyeing her hair, but like hair colors, like yeah. you're saying, like dark brown when it was blonde and then switching yeah. back. So I was always afraid to do it. And my family was always like, dye your hair. It's fun. Like they yeah. always treat it as like it washes out or it wears off and yeah. like it grows out. It's sure, fine. You can change yeah. it. It's temporary. But when, when my mom came to see me after I had hmm. dyed it. I I don't think I told her at all. And she came to like my winter concert of this choir. I was in like a women's choir, like serious, yeah. la la la, like <laughs> Renaissance music, like the whole deal. And we all wore like black dresses mm-hmm. and like I'm in like the front row in this like in this bright, like right. you. And my mom was like, You look like an exit sign. Like it's so ridiculous. Like she hated it. The choir director was like, We have an image, and I was like, look, the rules about how we look. Like, it says nothing about piercings. It says nothing about tattoos. It just says I have to wear a black dress. I'm wearing a black dress that covers my shoulders, like, yeah. done. Um, so, yeah. That, but And then I then I only ever dyed it, like, hair colors, except that I went from, back to my mother's terrible hairdresser, from the red Manic Panic and told her I really didn't want it anymore and asked her to dye it. And so she foolishly tried to dye it blonde. So the tips of it were orange, <laughs> but like not a natural color right. in any way. And that, so I had that for a while, but it was like completely <laughs> unintentional. It looked like, like it would have been a really good, um, what is it called? Mocking Jay. Kind of like, mm-hmm. it looked like flames. Yeah. <laughs> good times. Awesome. <laughs> yep. We chat about like piercings and tattoos. I have, um, I used to have piercings in my cartilage on my ear. I had three little mm-hmm. rings and I had it done when I was in grad school and before I went to rabbinical school. And I had this like idea that it was not going to be cool in rabbinical school mm-hmm. or that like I was going to want to go do things in Israel that I wouldn't like a mikvah or something that I wouldn't have access to. And I guess it was after I converted that I, that I did it. I had my nose pierced, um, that was the first... Like, my parents pierced my ears when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're, like, in your, like, whatever this part is, yeah. the lobe, right? That was when I was, like, before... Like, probably right. before six months or at six months, something like that. Mm-hmm. Very Italian thing to do. And I had these gold little um, yeah. studs first. And then I had ones that were, like, my birthstone that were from Italy. And it was, like, a whole thing. And my yeah. sisters both also had their ears pierced when they were baby babies. And my dad was always like, oh, let's get different ones. But they never liked the idea of piercings anywhere else so when I got my nose ring I was in I think it was right after college and my dad was like you look like a carnival worker like kind of a thing (laughs) like piercings and tattoos in my family were about class and they Mm -hmm. were about being low class basically yeah and I'm saying this without personal value judgment but it was like in my family it was like the people in our family who have piercings otherwhere than otherwhere than that one spot on your ears and not even like two like that was a big deal that it was um you know, the people who were in jail or, like, didn't pay their child support payments. Like, it was not the people in yeah. my family that you would want to emulate in other ways. So that was definitely, like, a thing that made my decision, like, weird. So then we were in, we were living in D.C. and we were going to Hawaii and we were stopping in San Francisco. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and my friend, um, my best friend from college was like, oh, my God, like, get your nose pierced when you're here. And I was like, I've been thinking about it. And he was like, we're going. We're going to go to the place where... He got his tattoos, which is called Moms, which is, like, literally, like, at Hayden Ashbury. Like, it's mm-hmm. so a stereotype to be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Hayden Ashbury and, like, get my nose pierced. But <laughs> I knew it was safe, and he'd have right. he'd had, like, lots of stuff. He'd had his ears stretched there. Like, he had a lot of stuff down there. So I went to San Francisco and came home with a nose piercing. <laughs> and my mom was super angry, and she was like, well, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to look. It's pretty subtle. It's small. 
And I remember I had a neighbor who was Bangladeshi and she was like, oh, can you convince my daughter to get her nose pierced? Because I keep trying to get her to do it <laughs> and she won't. And I was like, yeah, if you convince my mom that like, it looks fine. <laughs> and, like, it was like a cross-cultural, Amazing. like hilariousness. Um, and I, and then I don't have any tattoos. I've been thinking kind of about this, like maybe Venn diagram with like radical or alternative or punk, which aren't the same thing, but like mm-hmm. that with queerness, because I think a lot of the aesthetics are the same, and there are some that are different, um, but I've been thinking of, like, paraphernalia, like, buttons and patches, and, like, yeah. did you get into that, and what relationship do you see between, like, queer, like, politics and queer aesthetics? Yeah, I mean, I think that this was, again, like, it's funny, we we just had people over, they're a lesbian couple, and they're, like, six years older than us, and like six years worth of different politics than us. Mm-hmm. And they were asking us like if, how often we go to family week in Provincetown, which is like when like queer parents bring their kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, they're asking us not if we go, but like how many times we go. And I was like, never, like we've never been, and like, we've never been like interested in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sort of, I'm like, am I supposed to want to, am I going to like need it later? But so I feel like the buttons and the paraphernalia and the like, I used to have like, a rainbow triangle pin. I had a pink triangle pin. I had, like, I wasn't very punk. Like, my, my sister yeah. was cool with me. She should have been queer. She would have fit right in with, like, <laughs> the aesthetic that you're talking about. And I had, like, the haircut and, like, like the t-shirt. Like, I used to wear, like, the t-shirt and, like, I would wear... I was the co-chair of a group called Girl Spot, which you could shorten to G-Spot, LOL. And it was, um, we had these little t-shirts made that said in the cutest little all, like it was one word, Girl Spot, little, like no caps. Mm-hmm. And it said Girl Spot and had like a little circle around it, like an mm-hmm. oval. And I wore that shirt like just all the time in college. And when my mom and I were in the, we were interviewed for the Boston Globe, my friend was interning there and her friend who was also an intern he was doing an article about like kids coming out younger um which I guess like at that point in high school or even the beginning of college was like young for like compared to now and so my mom and I were interviewed and I and we got our picture taken and it was on the cover of the metro section of the Boston Globe and I'm totally wearing that shirt in the picture (laughs) which unfortunately does not appear to be on the internet anywhere I've I've looked for it the article is on the internet but not not the picture um (laughs) and I wore like I wore like like sort of Doc Martin wingtip shoes and tights and like a paisley pencil skirt and that shirt and like a little scarf like it was like <laughs> totally was my uniform and i had like hair part in the middle like bob cut mm-hmm. dye blonde post it was either just pre or just post the um, manic panic incident of 1996 <laughs> ish i felt more like i needed to show my connection to a community and its politics when i was younger mm-hmm. and sometimes and I feel bad that I do this, but sometimes I'm like, oh, like pride, that's for like other people. Like it's not yeah. like going to that is for like when you first come out or when you live in a place that's really restrictive and like I don't need to go to that anymore. Like I literally plan to be out of the city when it happens because it's just like so crowded I can't yeah. handle it, um, which I don't know. Like I used to always go. When I moved to D.C. and H- um, the human rights campaign had one of their big marches on Washington, like Ellen DeGeneres was there when she was with Anne Hesch. Wow. Like that was yeah. <laughs> to date myself. I was already graduated from college and I was like, we're definitely going, you know, that was like yeah. rainbow it up, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't, I don't really do that anymore except for this Kipa. Yeah. Which makes its appearance at strategic time. For sure. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot um, in terms of like when in your life or when, for different people, like, marking 
it somehow becomes something that's like necessary or important or wanted or when like you feel like you can't market even though you want to like I'm growing my hair out right now and I'm like okay but gender like yeah (laughs) yeah um, totally and it's like I don't I also was talking, we kind of talked about it earlier, but, like, the idea of, like, I think queer femme, but also, like, androgyny in general is Mm -hmm. just, like, very white, very thin, very masculine. Um, And, like, so what do you do if you can't fit that, but still, like, want to mark that, like, politics or identity? Totally. I used to, in college, I used to sometimes wear, um, like, my way of being, like, queer and femme is either I would go, like, super femme. Like, when I, so my friend Josh, my best friend from college, who's still my best friend, (laughs) one of my best friends, he, he, Josh and I, Josh teaches uh, in Gallatin, actually. He teaches a class on the punk aesthetic, which you should take. (laughs) Yeah, he's awesome. He's like, yeah, if you want to read a lot of theory and have a lot of homework, you should take his class. But he and I used to go every, every Thursday for, like, two and a half, three years of our mm-hmm. lives. I met him freshman year at a protest. Um, and we, at like a queer protest. And we, we went every week to this 19 plus night at Man Ray, which was <laughs> upstairs <laughs> or downstairs at a, at the Middle East club in, um, in Central Square in, mm-hmm. um, in Cambridge. And we would take the bus there and we'd walk home or we'd take the train there and walk home because the, because the, because the MTA closes. So <laughs> we would go every week and he would usually wear, like jeans with a chain wallet, obviously, because it was 1995, six, seven, eight. Um, and like some kind of like a see-through mesh shirt kind of a thing. Um, and he used to cut his hair really, really short and he had all like he had all these piercings and stuff. And I used to wear either I would wear like a t-shirt from the Delia's catalog with like sparkles and like angels or something on it. Um, or like a unicorn, and then like um, cargo pants, like cargo jeans, mm-hmm. the the infamous black and white wingtip Doc Martens, yeah. which my mother hated, and <laughs> and a sparkly silver chain wallet, which was my way of being like, this mm-hmm. isn't a masculine outfit, like it's totally femi. And I had like this hairdo that was like, I used to like totally like slick it down with this gel and put those little plastic barrettes, mm-hmm. and then it was like kind of scrunchy in the back. Um, it was real shellacked. It was like a, a situation that's hairdo. <laughs> I have so many pictures. Or I would wear like hi, like chunky 90s high heel shoes, black fishnet stockings, and like some kind of like very like here are my curves like dress. Yeah. Um, and go like all out the other way. But like same thing with like the shellacked hair and the like yeah. sparkly pin or like some yeah, kind of barrette. Yeah. And it was like those two things were my uniform every Thursday night for mm-hmm. like, and I don't know why like. It wasn't, like, even if, like, we ostensibly were, like, oh, we're there to, like, meet people, like, to go on dates with. We never, like, we danced with each other the whole time we were there and went home to eat pizza at, like, two in the morning by ourselves, Um, (laughs) like, together at Tommy's Pizza. But, like, it it seemed like a thing to go, it was almost like a cartoon of femininity, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that was important to me. It was really important to me. For sure. Um, Cool. I've been thinking about in relation to other people so you've kind of mentioned this before but like with um like romantic partners or with friends or in groups of friends kind of both inside of that the like pressures and feelings of aesthetics of like comparing yourself in any kind of way and then also like feelings about how you are being read or like reacted to so one thing that i've found increasingly is i have a really i've always had like a hard time with my body image and it's very difficult when my wife is like losing weight and I'm not losing weight. We're both trying to. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it's very easy to be like, instead of being like, even being able to react to her appearance, it's like, oh, I'm constantly comparing myself, which I don't know that I would do if I were romantically partnered to like a male person or someone mm-hmm. who was more butch. 
Um, I somehow used to perceive her as more butch when we were in college. Mm -hmm. Maybe, like, she had sort of a butchy haircut, Mm -hmm. and she always wore pants and never wore skirts. It was, like, a whole thing when we got married. But the the biggest sort of experience I had with this was I dated a woman in college who identified as bi, and I think she now identifies as straight. She's married to a cisgender guy. Mm -hmm. And um, every time... So there were a lot of formal dances, and it was like black tie or what they called creative black tie, which clearly meant feather boa could come out, sure. um, or like the green velvet mermaid style dress that I totally <laughs> needed to own. And we would get ready to go, and she would always also be wearing like I would sort of be like, oh, wear a suit. Like I thought it was cool to like, and she had shorter hair than me, and she used to dress sometimes like when we went to Pride together once. She wore like these boots, and jeans, and a white t-shirt and she was like oh i'm like the marbler man like that's like what the aesthetic i'm going for <laughs> and i thought it was totally awesome mm-hmm. but when we would go to dances she would always wear a dress and i would wear a dress and i would be like sort of weirded out like we both like how is anyone going to know that we're here together because everyone else was red as a couple because like one person was in a suit and she would often like end up canceling so we would pick out our outfits mm-hmm. and then she would be like she would break up with me like two days before the formal because mm-hmm. she didn't want to be seen with me like not not just because two women together would like look like a couple but because everyone knew who I was on campus because I was like the president of all things queer Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) and so like being with me in public was being visible whether I looked gay or not or or the or she looked gay or not it was like being with her meant like you're definitely queer um and then Rachel and I when we used to go to dances it's like she would wear a suit like she would rent a suit Mm -hmm. and that was like also felt sort of like playful and like I don't know mm. if it was like us kind of like pretending so it's like hard, hard to remember like how authentic it felt at the time mm-hmm. um, but when we got married that was like a big concern like she didn't want me to wear a white dress she didn't want to wear a white dress she didn't like the whole like association of like virginity and like mm-hmm. what the politics of that might be and she was like well you can't wear one because then like you'll be the bride and I don't want to be the groom yeah so we had to like be really creative about what we were. and then we knew what each other was going to wear because we wanted to make sure it didn't look stupid in pictures not like we yeah. looked complimentary <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, that was like a big, it was a big question. Like the person who's on my arm, you know, or I'm right. on their arm, whatever that was about. Sure. Um, and I remember too, like it was the, it was the era in the nineties. It was the era of like either it was like this nostalgia for like a butch femme aesthetic and like a reclaiming mm-hmm. of that as like politically okay. Like it wasn't imitating straight people or something or it was, like, the matchy-matchy, like, twinny thing mm-hmm. that people did. Um, and I remember every year I used to go to the Wellesley Dyke Ball, which was, like, their big queer women's event. Mm-hmm. And they had a fashion show. Like, if you could only, like, watch videos of that for this project, like, I can't oh tell you. <laughs> like, totally butch African-American professor used to MC it every year. And she was amazing. Mm. And she always wore, like, an amazing suit and, like, shaved head. And, like, people wore Uh, everything and nothing. Like, people just dressed, like, the gamut of, like, crazy. Um, And that was always, like, a thing. Like, what? how are you going to present yourself at that event, too? Cool. Sweet. Um, I have one last quick question, which is just, what's your favorite article of clothing and why? Mm. And you can break the rules. It can be several. It can be favorite right now. My favorite? Well, like, it always changes over time. I mean, I think, like, I... (laughs) I rem- I used to have this this pair of like blue and like maybe rust color mm-hmm. um, polyester flared like mm-hmm. um, crease down the front pants 
which I wore like, which I bought at, um, oh, what the garment district, which is like a vintage mm-hmm. used clothing store in Boston and Cambridge that, that my sister and I used to go to all the time. And I, I loved those pants and I would wear them with the wingtips mm-hmm. and I would wear them with the Delia shirt and usually the feather boa. I loved that outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to also like, um, um, so this is like college me when I was like coming out, you know, it was just like, I could do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to wear like a bra or a bikini top, which like my mother would die if she knew under like just that under a, um, under a <laughs> polyester suit that I bought at the Boston costume company. It was from like seven brides for seven brothers mm-hmm. and they would like sell the used costumes. So it was a, a brown polyester suit with like a fake velvet, like strip down the pants, you know, oh, like, Sounds and so on the, comfy. on the lapel, <laughs> giant lapel. And I would wear that to like the dances, mm-hmm. that outfit. And I just thought that was like the coolest, you know, I was so cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know now, like what's my, what's my favorite? I have like some dresses I like, yeah, but like nothing that's like that, um, like defiant I guess is yeah. like what I felt like I, I felt so much like I was like breaking the rules you yeah, know yeah yeah cool so funny I actually have a um, professor who um, teaches here now and she mm-hmm. when I graduated from college like we we were very close and like I did my thesis with her and she then was like my dissertation advisor and was the MC at our wedding and when I graduated from college we we sort of like together won an award on, like I won an award for my thesis, but it was for like, like the professor also got a little bit of money and the student got money. And it was like about the collaboration between the two of you and, mm-hmm. and then like the student's work. But like, so she took me and Rachel out to dinner to like celebrate the award. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, she gave me this award, which, which she like printed on her printer, which I still have, which was on yellow paper and um, had a sticker of Dorothy's ruby red slippers. <laughs> and it's, and it was the, <laughs> it was called, um, the first and last annual Rah Rah Femme Prize, which was given to me, which she put my full name on. It was like to Nicole Lynn de Blasi for <laughs> contributions to the intellectual, political, and sartorial life of Harvard Radcliffe Colleges. <laughs> and she signed it with all her titles. So, oh like, that's, God. yeah, the Amazing. queerest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Amazing. Thank this you. This is going to be a great project. I'm so yeah. excited for it. Thank you for listening to Looking, Feeling, Queering with me, Leia Miller. Check out our Twitter at LFQ Podcast to see other episodes and great quotes.